Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. This is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Oh, welcome to the Invested Podcast. We're coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. And and the middle of Switzerland. So cool. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast for five years, and almost all of that time, uh, Danielle has been in, in Switzerland, and I've been out here in the U.S., and it's gone pretty good. It gives us a reason. Danielle is my daughter, if you guys haven't known that already, if you're new to this podcast. But <clears throat> she's my daughter. She's a lawyer. She lives in Zurich. Um, wow, we're going full introduction well, today. Well, just for a split second here because... Phil Town is my father. Mm -hmm. He lives in Georgia, <clears throat> I've been... in America. Uh, he does investing and has been teaching me about investing since... We wrote a book called... Way too long We wrote now. a book called Invested about... <clears throat> man, when was that? That was a couple of years ago. <laughs> Time has no meaning anymore. I know everybody says that now, but I now measure time in terms of when did I get COVID? Because since then, basically nothing's happened in my life. So I know I got COVID almost two years ago. So the book must have been four years ago, three years ago. Danielle is one of these lucky people that got long COVID and it's amazingly difficult to get it, get past it. She's working on it hard and... Um, I just watched this movie called Interstellar, which is a sort of, you know, it's a galactic space movie about, you know, apocalyptic Earth and they've got to escape to save humanity. But what it's really about is about a father and a daughter. And it is really sweet. If you've got a daughter or if you're a daughter and you've got a dad, you want to watch this movie. It's, it's about, you know, what are your priorities? It just made me Aww. realize how lucky I am that I get to do this with you. Oh, really, I'm really lucky. Cool. I haven't seen the movie, but it's very sweet that it reminded you of us. Or at least I assume it's very sweet. And it's it's also I hope it's very incredible sweet. <laughs> that out of all of the you know the life experiences you have, that we've ended up <clears throat> working together. You know, at working in the same industry, um, which is amazing. It's just so cool. We're both kind of deep into this investing world. Really, really neat. I get to share it's weird. It's pretty weird. Yeah, it's pretty that, weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go diving into it. I mean, I, I was just thinking about Warren Buffett when I said that, and I'm quite sure Warren would have loved one of his kids to be into what he's doing, kind of the, the way he does it, you know, but just didn't, everybody has different interests in life. You know? So we're lucky that way. And, yeah, uh, we're talking about Buffett because he just had his annual meeting and it was this. You just never know if it's the last one at, at his age. He's 91. Charlie's 97. And they were both there. They're both. They've still got very well functioning minds and maybe a little slower 
getting the thought out the door, but there the thought is solid, you know? They were a little slower. Yep. I agree. They were a little slower, a little more stammering, but the thoughts were the same. And as I said last time, I just, it's been like a real effort for me to watch this video of the meeting. And yet it's one that I have continually been trying to, uh, to watch because I just think it's so important, as you said last time, even if it's the same idea, hearing it differently, hearing it in a new way, hearing it put together with current information maybe, sometimes just hits all of a sudden and you get a moment of insight with something you know you've heard before in a way that completely changes your thinking. And I know I, I've gotten a few of those and we actually ended on it last time, um, which was that they've never made a decision based on what the economy is going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, they've said that over and over and over and over. They say it constantly. And somehow in that talk, the way that that Buffett said it in response to a question about market timing, it just hit me. They have never made a decision based on what the economy is going to do. What an enormous statement. I would say most investors, would, even those who don't care about timing, would say like, well, you know, I do follow the economy. I do sort of pay attention to trends. And I do, you know, the people who are thinking big thoughts about macroeconomics, I read what they are saying and I find it interesting. Buffett didn't say any of that. He said, I have never one time made a decision based on what the economy is going to do. And that just, it hit me. Yeah, that was a big. It one. is a big one. That's it, so much of what you hear these days. It's it's a big one for a couple of reasons. What what you just said, and then the other is that it just drives home how this strategy of investing that we've been teaching out here is so much about not making it more complex than it should be. It's about yeah, keeping yeah. it very very simple and a little bit like you know, a fabulous artist that can do three lines and you have this beautiful thing. Mm. It's like simplicity is really hard. It's really hard to to keep it simple, right? That is true. So, I mean, it's, it's maybe it's like that with a lot of things, but it's certainly like that with this investing strategy. And by the way, what you just said that we hear this stuff and then finally it, you know, it clicks, something clicks. Mm -hmm. Um, One of our, one of our, um, our instructors, one of our faculty members for Rule One, is Trent Pierce, a great Canadian guy, great, great investor. And he was he was really taking hard notes. And he basically said before the event started, a CNBC reporter got quoted as saying, you don't go to church every Sunday in hopes of hearing the 11th commandment. <laughs> <laughs> you go to be reminded of the 10 you already know. <laughs> I thought that was on the money. I don't know who said that, if that was Becky Quick or or one of the other people. But, oh, my God, was that ever on the money? Because we've laughed about it. I love that so many people, even in, like, mainstream financial media, are talking about it in the same way we do, of, like, this is like going to church. This is like going to church. It's the dip into the religion once a year. And as we've been been teaching you guys for five years, doing it the way Buffett's does it is simple it really is it's it's just the difficulty is keeping it simple and 
The problem is that the vast majority, if, I'm, vast majority doesn't cover it. It's 99 point something percentage of the people who are working on Wall Street have priorities that make it impossible for them to do this kind of investing. They're, I have a question though. Yeah. Kind of Well, let me, let me finish that thought because the priority is that they will lose the pension fund money if they Clear. try to play the long game. Yeah, okay. Understood. Um, so for many years, you never you never went to Berkshire. I mean, I I don't remember you ever. I didn't even know Berkshire was existed. No, until I, we I would go to Sturgis. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is: Now that you've been either you've been either there in person or they've started streaming it online, so we've been able to watch it. Mm-hmm. Is this experience like has has that changed things for you at all? Is the experience different now? No. Do you and and then follow up? Do you wish that you had gone earlier? No. Um, I, first off, I'm not a networker person. I don't I don't network. I never ask. I never talk to anybody sitting next to me on an airplane. Like, hmm. just get my book out. I you know for for better or worse, that's me. And um, an awful lot of the people who go there go because it's a great um, Woodstock for capitalists kind of a moment. And you're seeing a lot of friends and and you make friends there and then friends for life and that kind of thing. And, and yeah. you know, I just I don't do that very well. I, I probably should, but I don't. And I don't think there's anything. I mean, I get the benefit of reading everything Buffett has to say. Um, so before they started streaming it online, which was only recently, yeah. there would be like a summary that somebody would write up and you would read that? Yeah, or I, I mean, remember, it's the Ten Commandments and those Ten Commandments have been out there for 50 years. They've, I don't think they've ever said anything new. It's just that when you keep going to church, suddenly you hear things differently for the first time in your life, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think if you just keep studying, you're going to get that also pretty much. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know, I, I, I guess I, I can't say that I regret not going because I didn't go this year. I preferred to go watch our horses run at, at land, you know, Land Rover, Kentucky. So I, yeah, yeah know, but this year they've got it streaming, you know, so we can watch it. Yeah, we can watch it on, on afterwards. And it's real interesting to me that when you look at the press and what they cut, when they edit it out of six hours of stuff and then put it up on YouTube or CNBC and Mm -hmm. what they've picked out is always worthwhile and interesting. But honestly, it makes you sort of feel like, wow, six hours and this is what they've got out of it. Maybe not worth a trip to Omaha. And that's not true either. I mean, I think it's worth the trip to Omaha. But I sort of, I do better reading this stuff at home and absorbing it there, I think, than I do in a room. I think that's super fair because I was even thinking if I'm well enough to go next year, 
I don't even know if it's worth it to sit in that auditorium all day. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not able to absorb and take notes that quickly. And honestly, and the slower like Charlie maybe and, it's better to watch it later. The slower Charlie and, and Warren go when they're speaking is the harder it is to sit there for six hours listening to uh, um, um, you know it's going to get worse I guess before the streaming how did you find out what was said in the meeting um, pretty much just what Buffett puts out there in his annual letter uh, what I'm, okay. the only thing I'm really missing is questions and answers and you know mm-hmm. there's I've been following him for so long and so that I don't know that I've ever heard him answer a question differently than I would have expected him to answer the question, but it yeah. just kind of comes, <laughs> sort of you get it, you, you just get it better each time you go to church, you know, it's like right there. So I, I really see the value of going to church, but maybe going to church now by watching things on video is easier mm-hmm. and you still get 90%. I, okay. I don't know, that's me. I was just curious how thought. that worked like in the old days. Yep, it's a good thought. Yeah, we've so, gone to Charlie's gone to Charlie's annual meeting for the same thing. It's like you're not almost you're there. Here here's what I regret about not going. I regret that I'm not one more body there in front of Charlie and Warren saying thank you for hmm. teaching us all this stuff. You know, hmm. I mean that that's really it, I think, is I'm there to just say thank you, you know. And it was a lot easier to say thank you to Charlie because you're only in a room of four hundred people, but when he does his annual thing at Daily Journal, because that's all they can fit in there. It's and true. And Warren, you're there it's, with thousands, but it's still like, man, thank you, Warren. I mean, you know, it's a little bit like the presence is a vote of support. Mm-hmm. The fact that he has, or they have, um, however many people were there, let's say 20,000 or whatever it was, just that they can command that many people shows the influence and so it is in a way like uh just the presence alone is a vote of support yeah i never thought about it like that exactly before but that's really nice so let's pick up where we left so market timing yeah well market timing not a good idea so we ended with you talking about you mentioning american express yeah well those are a couple of things right Um, okay First off, market timing is, of course, trying to determine that you should be in the market or out of the market or in specific stocks or out of specific stocks at certain times. And um, just want to make the point that Buffett and Munger don't do market timing, and yet they're magically in big piles of cash at the right time over and over and over again. The one that really strikes me is that Buffett got pretty much out of the market in spring of 1987 Hmm. and was loaded with cash when the market had that flash crash in October and he loaded up. So, you know, they're just like, okay, Um, part of it is just the way Berkshire produces cash and it keeps coming in. And so he often has a lot of cash. But. I don't think it's an accident that he's ready to pull the trigger with a ton of money um, when the trigger can be pulled for the reasons we've talked about. I mean, if, if, if it's not market timing to say I'm not going to buy anything because it's too expensive. Not, not the market, the things I'm trying right. to buy. Yeah. I don't have to make a judgment about the market if I can't get it, if I can't buy anything on sale. It takes care of itself. And 
obviously in the early days of Buffett's career, he would sell stuff into a hot market. He doesn't do that as much anymore. Part of it is Charlie's influence in the 60s to say that, look, let's just, we get a wonderful business, let's just hold on to it. And it mm -hmm. will produce great returns for us. So that leads us to American Express. Because Buffett made the point that American Express they've held for since the middle 70s, when they bought American Express, <clears throat> when it had a zero book value as a result of some stuff that happened to it. But they recognized that the book value of the company doesn't include in its intrinsic value, all of the value of the business operations itself, right? So without diving all into that, they bought American Express and they've held it ever since. And they basically made the point that because American Express is buying back its stock over all these years, their ownership has gone from something like 11% to 21%. Yes, they did make that point. That right? was really, really eye-opening. It really is. But then I kind of ran some numbers on how Ooh. long they've held American Express. And I, right. I don't remember where I, where, where I wrote that all down a few days ago. But the bottom line is that um, the rate of return, if you take the market price of American Express stock when they began, when they owned it, and the market price today with their additional ownership almost double, their return on their investment is compounded at about 11% per year. Wow. All right. So that is insane isn't that for interesting? this amount of time. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. It's a huge amount of time and it's it, it's a huge return. And then when you look at the actual number um, obviously, they also have additional dividends from American Express, which add substantially to that number. It's not it's not minor. You know, it's they I'm guessing they probably were looking at when when they started paying dividends, it was probably a two percent dividend on their purchase price. <laughs> but now mm. it's a two percent dividend on the current price, which is, you know, five times larger. And um, and so their return is enormous on their dividends. But let's just say that adds another couple points. Now you're at 13% compounded without doing anything. You're sitting there. 13%. I mean, think about what people get from a bond that they own. Um, they go down to their bank and they get, you know, a CD or something. And and they have this bond. It's, it's still American Express. It's a bond on American Express. It's a group of companies mm -hmm. like that. Blue chip companies. And they're getting 2% for 30, 40 years, 50 years, 2%. And Buffett's out there getting 13%. Yeah, I mean, you got to buy it. You got to buy it. <laughs> Back then. But I mean, he's still, it's, it's that you like take this, this like, same. Oh, you just go down to the bank no, and the no, bank's no. like, well, hello. Same, well, you've got to decide that you want to own that You've got to decide yeah. that you're going to buy American Express stock when the book value is zero. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we do this stuff for five years. Yeah, just talking about exactly. how to do that because yes. look at the difference in your life. It's yes. unbelievable. If you if you're in a bond and it's getting you three percent a year for thirty years, um, effectively you've doubled your money one and a half times. Okay, so you get hundred thousand in the bond, and you know when the smoke clears, you're getting back two hundred fifty thousand or something. Oh, you you do what Buffett did. You get thirteen percent. You're doubling your money every, uh, geez, a little slower than five years. About five and a half years, 
and you do that for 30 years, you've got uh, five doubles. So your 100,000 is 200, 400, 800, 1.6 million, 3.2 million. So over here, you've got this bond and you pick up an extra 150,000. Over here, you're picking up $3 million or something or $2 million. I mean, the difference is just insane. Yeah. It, it, it is so insane. You just, I'm, I just am staggered that more people don't understand this. Right. So then, you're saying just to make sure I get this. So it's 11% compounded. That's with the um, additional ownership mm -hmm. because of the company buying that's, back their own stock. And then right. also the 13% you're saying, and these are like rough numbers, right? Yeah, rough. Um, Assuming was an overall 2% dividend roughly. Okay. was with the dividends. Compounded okay. Got it. Over time, right? Yeah. That's wild. Compared to a bond. Right. And then yeah. you also want to compare that fair enough to like just buying the S&P 500, which is what Buffett recommends you do if you're not going to learn how to do this stuff properly. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the temperament for it to just be patient, to wait, if you don't have the temperament to really learn it, then your best bet is to buy the S&P 500 index and sit on it and just keep buying it. Just keep buying it and just sit on it and you'll have ballpark a 9% return not 13, but just to, to do that same comparison, a 9% return will double your money every eight years. So in a 30-year period, you've got three and a half doubles, basically. So your 100,000 became 200, 400, 800, and a little over a million. So the difference between sticking your money in a bond and not understanding this at all, and you get, you know, you make 200,000 200, or something, and putting your money in the S&P 500 at the recommendation of everybody on the planet because they know you're you're too lazy, you're too undisciplined, you're too busy, you're too stupid, you're too whatever it is that that this is just too hard for you then S&P 500 you know and you're you're at a million dollars. Okay, bueno. But if you are not too stupid or too lazy or too undisciplined and you think, hmm, I can actually do this. This is not rocket science. Uh, people do do this all the time. There's 20,000 of them in that meeting every year to say, thank you, Warren, I do this and I really profit mm -hmm. by it. And all of a sudden you've got $2 million instead of $1 million. I mean, how, yeah. if it's not any harder to do it than really buying the S&P 500, it's more, it's more fun to do this this way, that's for sure. Because, and, and by the way, if you were to say, oh, it's pretty easy to buy the S&P 500. Oh, no, it's not. When this market starts to crash, I challenge you to go out and buy the S&P 500. You just go ahead and try. And everything <laughs> in you will be emotionally screaming at you to don't get anywhere near the stock market. It's not going anywhere for the next 20 years. You know when you put your money in it, it's going to go down by another 50%. You just It's just emotionally a train wreck because you don't know what to do. So following the advice of the most well-meaning advisors, including Warren Buffett, to just stick your money in the index because you don't know how to invest is really begging the question, in my view. It's well, and it begging may be you to a do giant, something emotionally. Yeah, go ahead. It may be a giant question what happens. And I found it really, really interesting that Buffett and Munger did not want to touch any sort of comment or prediction about what inflation was going to be oh, coming up. Yes. There was a fantastic question from Daphne from New York City 
who was the cutest and she um was a kid who's been attending the meeting and she said um she had the best question she said the inflation rate has been north of seven percent for the first time since 1982 this, this is like a 12 year old kid or something right yeah yeah that girl? yeah daphne yeah. from new york city yeah she was great um she was amazing and um and she asked this question i was like daphne you are reading everybody's mind it was yeah. the perfect question yeah so inflation's so high and the question was between 1970 and 1975 the berkshire portfolio took paper losses but it was when buffett and munger made some of the best investing choices best purchases yeah of their entire careers. Yep. So she asked, what is the one stock that we should bet on with this mysterious inflation uh, future that we have? And they laughed and told her that they were very glad that she had been attending the meeting and that she had very bright prospects in her life <laughs> and that what she should do and they didn't even answer the question no, at all. Didn't no. even talk about the stock. They said what what you should do is go develop a, a skill, a profession that you can make money at, regardless of inflation. Well, which that, yeah, that's your best bet against inflation. It's a nice is answer. Have, is to be but really I found good at it something. To be that a bit people, frustrating yeah. for somebody who came up with such a good question, spoke it beautifully, and then they didn't even answer it. So I was I was a bit bummed. Yep. by that one. And there were a few other questions as well around inflation and they just refused to answer. Yeah. Yeah. It bummed me out a little bit. So we'll answer for them. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, here, let me explain why it bummed me out a little bit because this is on the heels of the previous comment of I, I was kidding we don't care at all about the macroeconomic situation. We've yeah. never made an investing decision based on economics. Yeah. Almost like, so, uh, we yes. don't know, we don't know, uh, you know, we don't know, we just buy companies. Yeah. Yeah. Which is right, Well, yeah, kind of. And yet, I think- Wait, wait, and there's yet, such a- The day, literally almost the day before this meeting started, they went out and bought $20 billion worth of Chevron. <laughs> Chevron, so? an oil company, it's a commodity. They don't do commodity. And they just did commodity. And it strikes mm. me that Buffett is kind of ducking it for a reason that um, he's often said, you know, what you'd rather have, uh, you know, a big wad of gold, take all the gold in the world or, or 18 Exxons and all the agricultural land in America. And he's made that point a couple of times. Um, maybe that's where he's kind of, hey, read between the lines, because I'm telling you, these are the things you need to be in agriculture and oil are commodities that are critical in hmm. in anybody's future hmm. and he bought occidental and he bought chevron and those are two humongous investments he's pumped almost 40 billion dollars into them in the last well less than a year while busily saying hey i don't we can't find anything to buy and then immediately going straight out and buying those guys so buffett is going to do what's in in Berkshire's best interest. Um, and if it's in Berkshire's best interest to not answer that question in order to be able to invest the other 100 billion he's got sitting there, uh, he will not answer that question. I agree completely. I, I don't think anyone expected him to answer with a 
go by Chevron, you know, or like yeah. go by Apple or go by or whatever. He wasn't going to name a company other than Berkshire, which I thought was a fairly obvious answer, yeah. which uh, which they also didn't say. <laughs> so he, he I, I'm, I'm not buying it that he doesn't pay attention to what's going on out there in the world, in the economy, in in the markets. I think he, he actually is very, very good at that and very smart. And that, in his view, owning 18 exons in all the agricultural land in a country is actually the answer to that question. You know, Maybe. If you're in, yeah, I mean, if you're in a heavily inflationary era, the other thing he said is the stock market's not going to keep up with it. That businesses yeah. struggle uh, to increase their prices to, in order to overcome their cost increases, and the market pushes back on that. Right. I mean, out there, the retail market, the, re the consumers are pushing back and saying, I can't keep paying more and more for this stuff. Uh, my wages aren't going up as fast as the cost of living, which is the case out there right now today. And so there's a pushback that happens against these companies, even when they have a big moat. Um, so even your big moat companies might have trouble raising prices su su sufficiently to keep their profit margins wide. But what they case will case in point Netflix. Case in point Netflix, which you guys are sending your ideas about, and we're going to talk about it as soon as we're done with Berkshire <laughs> in two episodes. So keep sending exactly. them in to questions at investedpodcast.com. Yeah, we know. In Net um, yeah, Netflix. Yeah. Let's finish up talking okay. about inflation, and I want to hear the main points off of your list. Oh yeah. Next episode, Trent, Trent and then we'll wrap up Berkshire. Job. Okay. Main points in the next list. All right, so we're 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 basically saying that we we think that it's important when you're looking at Buffett and Munger to pay attention to what they do as mm. well as what they say. So when they're not saying summary. anything to a direct question like that, I would look very carefully at what they're doing. And what they're doing is they're buying critical commodities right now, which is very interesting. That's very, yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Really, really good point. All right. Okay, let's end on, on such a good point. Okay, good. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back. Bye. Talking about it soon. See you. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.